Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great day out there today. The markets had a pretty good day today, uh, minus some underwhelming economic news. And later in the day, some disappointing earnings news. But kicking it off this morning, we got another round of pretty solid earnings. You know, top line at least looking pretty solid. But after the close today, it really began to turn around. We had some big names reporting this afternoon, and it's been a bit of a bloodbath since then. So kicking it off, it was Spotify, uh, which actually beat on earnings per share estimates and year-over-year revenues did come in a little bit lower than than expectations for quarter-over-quarter revenues, but the stock is now down 15% in after-hours trading, putting it near a 52-week low. Of course, I'm sure there were a lot of people out there looking for this number and any reason to sell this stock because of what's been going on with Joe Rogan, which is really, I mean, Spotify has an easy decision in my mind here. If you Take Joe Rogan off your platform. He already has a massive following. They'll go wherever he goes. So you lose anyway. And the people who are his listeners will no longer be on Spotify if they're a paying member of Spotify. If you keep him on there, you'll probably continue to lose some artists who don't have huge listening on your platform. Not saying people like Neil Young don't have a massive fan group because he does. And and when I was living in California, I was a big fan as well. But, uh, you know, on their platform though, which is mostly younger users, he didn't make up a big portion of, of people who go to their platform to listen to him. It's a bonus almost for, for younger people that is. So if you start to take, you know, their side and kick Rogan off of your platform, you're going to, like I said, you're going to lose anybody who is a fan of free speech, a, f- a fan of uh, like anti-censorship fan, and really who do you appease by kicking him off there? So really, they're in a bit of a tough place here. I think it's an easy decision for them to make uh, and just kind of wait out this storm until it blows over, which may- maybe it won't. But uh, I mean, he's too big of a name to kick off your platform. Like I said, it won't do any damage to him. If anything, he might make more money because I bet he takes home a good amount of that contract money and then goes back to being on every platform out there, being on YouTube, on Rumble, on every podcast uh, stream out there, right? Um, So I, I think that it's a very clear decision for them. But like I said, after earnings, Spotify got crushed today. And then one you might not have expected as much, Facebook, or, you know, as they're going by now, Meta, whatever. But at first glance, really wasn't all that bad, fell short of earnings per share estimates, or and at or just below revenue estimates. But the real trouble for tech names like this, what people key so much off of for forward-looking growth, is daily active users, which really any miss there, is a big miss. So they missed on estimates, uh, continuing to cite Apple's privacy changes to their platform, or yet yeah, an Apple's platform that's affecting their ad revenue. If you saw Google's earnings yesterday, I mean, just through the roof on ad revenue. So I guess that money that was being spent on Facebook is now being spent on Google. But Facebook, after the news, now down a massive 21% or so. It's been down more than that. 
uh, I've seen. That was the last print I saw before I went on the podcast. Uh, that is also, though, along with Spotify, right at a 52-week low for Facebook. I'm going to continue calling it Facebook. I'm not going to get used to Meta. I don't even use their platform anyway, so I could care less. But uh, really, like I said, I mean, it does seem like then, I mean, people are still advertising. Online businesses are still a massive, uh, growing sector of our economy. So quite the contrast between Facebook and Google here. Uh, if you heard Kip's podcast yesterday, the stock was up big overnight and gapped up big at the open this morning and finished up around 10% on the day. I think the final print was either at or just, okay, the final print was 7.5%. But earlier in the session, they were up 10%, getting all the way back to a 52-week high that they are, yeah, that they are all-time high they saw back in November. Pretty impressive rally. They're adding $160 billion, billion with a B, to their market cap in a single day of trading. So really impressive there. Clearly the ad space isn't going away. Seems to be more of a Facebook problem than it does a uh, slower ad revenue spend or slower ad spend problem here. But maybe it's a little bit of both. We'll have to wait and see. But then... The big headline of this morning was the first look. I say first look, it's not necessarily that, but the ADP jobs data. We get the biggie out on Friday, which is the non-farm payrolls, but the ADP jobs data, massive, massive miss today. Estimates were for a creation of 207,000 jobs. We came in at negative 301,000 jobs. That's a 500,000 job swing. I mean, you've heard, if you tune in with us here, you know, Kip and I love to make fun of who makes these estimates, who the economists are that, that put these numbers up. I mean, they're supposed to have access to all of the, the perfect data to get these estimates, right? Just to be off over and over again, and especially in the Biden administration. I talked about this months ago, as we've seen job miss after miss, and then if they don't want to miss, they lower expectations significantly so they can get a beat but there's no looking past this one. Every sector had a net outflow of jobs from January except for one, and that was energy, which has been on an absolute tear here. And that's no thanks to the Biden administration, so certainly not them creating jobs at all here. Uh, you've heard Kip and I talk about this both as well, that Jen Psaki saying, blaming Omicron because of, for these job losses. I mean, how does that even make sense? If people are getting sick and not going to work, that's being sick. It's not a not you're leaving your job. Uh, anyway, uh, just <laughs> amazing stuff from this administration. I mean, these types of things is what we've been talking about since since almost said Obama since Biden was inaugurated though, and that is that this is Obama's third term, and you can expect slower growth. Obama, the only president not to get to 2% GDP, not in just a four-year period, but an eight-year period. The only president to ever do it. And now we're getting that back again. I wish more people would have talked about that ahead of the election. Wish more people knew about that in general. Um, but looking back on the other jobs reports from Biden's, like I've said, also misses. And the jobs that were creative, created can't be attributed to Biden. It's amazing that we got job creation in the energy sector, given what they did last year with the Keystone Pipeline. It just 
massive loss of jobs there, said they were going to be replaced with green jobs that aren't here yet. Who knows when they will be here? And ultimately, at the end of the day, I think Kim and I would both argue that none of the job creation we've seen in the year that we've had Biden inaugurated as president now, none of it is due to any of their policies by any means. It is purely through American hard work and ingenuity. And then the tail end of the Trump economic miracle after spending four years cutting regulations, cutting taxes, being a pro-growth president, we're still seeing the effects of that. And we can only hope that the effects of it last longer than it's looking like it is right now. Going from a pro-growth president like Donald Trump to a pro-government growth president like Biden, I mean, hopefully this is eye-opening to people that elections have consequences much more beyond mean tweets. We've seen that time and time again in just one year. I just saw a stat today that at this point in his presidency, I believe this was the stat, I might need to double check this, so call me out if I'm wrong. But at this point in Trump's presidency, he had a higher approval rating than Biden does right now, which if you think about that is almost unbelievable. I saw somebody joking about it in a tweet today that was, they were saying, man, can you, <laughs> can you believe that Biden's approval rating is so low? It's only because the press has been bashing him constantly 24 seven. <laughs> Obviously I'm being, uh, it's a little satire there, but, but think about how much negative press Trump got in his first year in office, leading up to his first year in office, even just constantly 24 seven on the airways from every network. And his approval rating was higher at this point than Biden's, who's had the exact opposite treatment, just pandering from the media to Biden, despite horrible policy choices. Now it seems the American people are finally seeing through that here. Uh, so, you know, hopefully these jobs numbers do get better. Like I said, the biggie is out on Friday. Already, the expectations are low for 150,000 jobs to be created. Uh, would not be surprised at all to see a negative number or at least a miss come in there. Unless they can find a way to massage these numbers to look a little bit better. That'd be the only way really for that to happen. And it's certainly not Omicron that is the primary reason there. Like I said, if, uh, anyway, I won't get too much more into that. But what this does now that we've been talking about a lot here is this really throws cold water on the Fed's plans to raise rates. Now that we're seeing a slowing economy in the data showing up, we've been talking about this for months here now at the VRA. So the Fed will still have to raise rates because they've talked so much about it uh, that they really don't have a choice now. Um, you know, if they didn't raise rates, it would probably cause a market panic, right? So that's why we'll give them one rate hike this year to save face, say that they tried, and then from there, it'll be game on. It'll be a one and done from the Fed this year. That's the way we've seen it since day one, even with people talking about four, five, six rate hikes this year, a 50, point, 50 basis point rate hike, which, you know, if they had done that earlier this month, maybe not a terrible idea. And that would have been their one for the year, but they've missed that opportunity now. Absolutely, they have. Uh, so that all being said, let's take a look at some more positive stuff on the day to day, our market action. We finished today with three out of our four major indexes higher on the day today, now making 
four days in a row for the S&P and the NASDAQ to finish higher and five days in a row for the Dow here. We're led by the uh, S&P up 0.94% to 4,589. Next up was the Dow up just over six cents of 1% to 35,629. And the NASDAQ up half a percent to 14,417. Lastly was the Russell 2000 down on the day 1.03% to 2,029 for the Russell 2000. Also today though, of note here, still pretty early, but we've now seen four days in a row of the US dollar falling here. After hitting its highest level since July of 2020, which at that time it peaked in early 2020, throughout coronavirus insanity, fell, 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 hit this level that we're at now in July and didn't look back, fell far below it. Now this is the first time we've gotten back to that level. So it seems like a likely spot uh, for the dollar to take a break. Like I said, it's still a little early to make a, a concrete call on this, but when the dollar is falling like this, it typically means that the race to own risk on assets is on. Uh, so that's what we're looking for here. We've been positioning ourselves in that way. If you want to figure out how, you can join us at VRAinsider.com. We've got a 14-day trial going on right now to see which positions we like the most, uh, at least here in the short term. But again, back to the Fed, they haven't laid out a concrete path to what their rate hikes will look like. So there's still some uncertainty there. So we see it as unlikely for our markets to get all the way back to all-time high levels from here. We'd be extreme overbought. Uh, by the time we even got close. So that is one reason why, but also the uncertainty there. So it's going to be a little bit more of a trading environment until we get that rate hike. Uh, and then, like I said earlier, back on to the races there for our markets. Uh, looking at our internals on the day today, not the day you'd like to see with a three out of our four major indexes higher, but not terrible numbers here. Declining stocks did beat out advancing stocks for both the NYSE on the NASDAQ Pretty close to even on the NYSE though, and just under two to one negative for the NASDAQ. New 52 week highs to lows actually came in positive today for the NYSE, so good to see that. And continue to come in better for the NASDAQ. Uh, still getting more 52 week lows than highs there, uh, but do look to be improving. And then lastly, volume came in negative for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ as well. Uh, looking at our sectors on the day today, we finished with 10 out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. We were led by communication services, followed there by real estate, utilities, and healthcare. I will also point out tech was up on the day uh, and energy hitting another 52-week high here as well today. Our one laggard was consumer discretionary. One other area though here that's not in our S&P 500 sectors uh, that we follow closely is a leading economic indicator for us here is the transports, which just wrapped up their fourth positive day in a row here as well. Their second day back above their 200 day moving average. We wanna see continued space put in above the 200 day moving average for the transports here, but another solid day, so good to see. Uh, finally for today, our VRA commodity watch, gold now up just over three tenths of 1% 1 to 1,807 an ounce. Silver now up just over two tenths of 1% to $22.64 an ounce. Copper up a pretty big 1.05% 1, 1 today to $4.48 a pound. And lastly, oil this morning almost got 
to $90 a barrel. Our call here has been since January of last year for a $100 barrel of oil, uh, we said in the next 12 to 18 months. So we're a little over 12 months now, but man, I mean, oil was beaten up bad when we made that call last January to see it now at $90 a barrel. We think that hitting $100 a barrel is coming sooner rather than later but hit a high today of 89.71, actually fell all the way to negative now, down 0.26% to $87.97 a barrel. Finally for today, cryptos, I mean, had a better morning, looked better this morning, selling off into the afternoon across the board, couldn't find any cryptos that were higher. Uh, Bitcoin though, now down 5.25% to $36,720 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.